0: Good morning everybody, so good to see you on a nasty, nasty Sunday morning. Uh, To be so rainy. You guys do um, look amazing. Um, Welcome to our our church. If you're new to us uh, this morning, let me bring you up to speed. We've been in a series on family for the past couple of weeks, and we're going to continue that this morning. We talked week one just kind of some foundational things about being married. Just um, uh, stay, uh, to fall in love requires a pulse, and to stay in love requires a plan. And uh, we kind of moved on from that. And then last week we talked to our single people and uh, kind of just built a message around um, what it is to be single and what God has to say about that particular season. And now this morning um, we're going to talk to every parent in the place today. And so um, we're glad about that. Man, we got a a ton of, of different um types of families in, in the place. How many of you here today, you, you are single parents? Anybody here? Yeah, we, we honor you this morning. Can we put our hands together for all of our single moms and dads? So thankful for all of you. Um, how many of you are raising kids together? Okay, you're a married couple raising kids. Yeah, we honor you too. Feel just as sorry for you. as so we do the others. How, how many of you are empty nesters? Anybody here? Yeah, I, I could tell by the smile on your face. Okay, when I said we're going to talk about parenting, you were like, oh yeah, this is going to be a good one because they're gone, okay? Um, man, we got we got people in our church who are fostering kids. We got people who have adopted kids and, uh, you know, Chris and Angie Insull, they just adopted their second kiddo. Can we put it to our hands together for those guys? Yeah. We're having a a baby shower for them this afternoon. Amelia Faith is what they named her, but Lindley, their first daughter, named her Ruby. And the Bible is very clear about the power of the firstborn. And so we're going to go with Ruby, okay? So um, I don't care about Amelia. Ruby, okay? And if you're a Kenny Rogers fan, we're going to encourage her not to take her love to town. Okay? Okay, I'm waiting on, on, on you guys, okay? Okay. Psalm 127, verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Doesn't always feel that particular way, but we got truth. We got word in it, okay? So the Lord is telling us, if you got kids, I have rewarded your life. I have gifted you. What an incredible thing to think about, that that our our children, God has has looked upon them, he's got a plan for them, and he's going to use us to aim them in the right direction, okay? And so when you think about it like that, you think, man, that's a big responsibility, and it is. And um, this morning, we're we're definitely going to look at some things that we can put into our home to kind of help us out. So... I don't know if you've ever made a big mistake as, as a parent, I, I know I have, um, I've never left a kid at Walmart, but I've come really close, okay, and I've heard some of you doing the same thing. Um, I don't know if you've given them too much cough medicine, but I have. You know, it's like, uh, hey babe, she's not responding very well right now, um, you just give them just, just a little too much. Um I accidentally, you know, this is not a parenting thing, but this shows my home failures. I accidentally set Robbie's jeans on fire one time. Um, She was walking by in some denim jeans, and I thought I would just take the candle thing and just warm them up a little bit, and they went into flames. Um, So anytime I'm lighting candles, it's like PTSD comes into our home. Everybody's, you know, getting back and thinking twice about me being around them. Um, I had Ryan on my back once. My, my daughter, for those who don't know us well, I only have one. She turned 12 last month, which is, is, is crazy. Um, but I had her on my back and I was wrestling around with her and I fell and I fell on her and um, I hurt her foot really bad. I mean, it rolled. I, I called DHS on myself. And reported that in. And uh, I'm thankful, and I know that you are too, as parents, that God delays memory for about three years. It gives us that opportunity to kind of warm up and make some mistakes and get uh, some time underneath us and and get our our parenting vibe going. And so I'm thankful for that. Statistically, when we look at, at children and at teens, they're really going through a tough time. Uh, there, there's a lot of, of statistic data, and I, I'm not a person who relies solely on stats because I do believe that you can make them say whatever you want them to. I mean, you can you you can make a point rather on stats, but I do want to point out just some some terrible things just because I want us to feel um, the importance of parenting in this place today. But uh, one out of three teens has had alcohol in the past 30 days. One out of four have used illegal drugs. Four out of ten have a self-inflicted injury. And watch this. Nine out of ten have seen some form of pornography in the last month. Okay? Okay? And let me show you the importance of this. If I hold this up, I did this for Riley one day. I held, I held up a candy bar, and I said, I want you to look at, at this for just a minute, and I, w- I want you to describe it to me, okay? And so she's like, well, you know, it says Reese's on it, and it's got that 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 orange package and that bright yellow lettering, and, and it's got, you know, a piece of chocolate on it, and... And, you know, because we've tasted this, we know, you know, what it could be if we unwrapped it and got after it. But I just wanted her to, to, to describe it. And she said, well, it's rectangular, and she described the color. And then I put it behind my back, and I said, I now want you to unsee it. I want you to forget the image that I just showed you. And she said, well, I, I can't. And I said, well, then describe it to me. And I have it behind my back. And she said, well, it's rectangular and orange and it's got a piece of chocolate on it and the, the lettering and 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 so on. And I said, okay, well, wh- what I want you to do is take, take a few minutes and forget that I showed it to you. And she said, I can't. I said, that's exactly the point of some of the things that we are experiencing in our culture heavily is not being able to unsee some stuff. And so it's very, very important that as parents, we are definitely protective in this. Watch this. Out of 100 teens that were surveyed, only four of them called themselves followers of Jesus. 96 of them were like, I don't think so. Okay? And so when we hear staggering things like this, we become very aware that we are in a battle for family. We're in a battle for what that means. We're in a battle for what that means in a biblical model. And there are some, and you read the same stuff that I do. You watch the same stuff that I watch. And there are some who say the family as we know it doesn't exist anymore, but that is not our voice here. Okay, We believe that the family is fragile and it needs to focus up, but it's not over. God designed family, and so I know if he designed it, it can work. We've just got to put in the energy and the effort and allow him to come into our homes and do what he wants in our home. Okay, So I want to talk to you about just a, a few things this morning, and they're very simple, but I think it's important as parents that we come back to these things. As a parent... I want my kid to know Jesus and follow him. And I think this has to be on the tip of our parenting spear, that the goal is for our children to know Jesus and to follow him. Okay. Now, the reason I'm kind of separating those with tone is because I do believe that they can be two different things. We can come to church our whole lives and know a lot about Jesus. And for those of you who are raised in church, you know exactly what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. You are inundated with scriptures and stories and principles. And by the time you're a, a young teen, you're even applying those things. And your moral compass seems to be maybe a little bit bigger. And you're more aware of what the Bible says. Hey, do this, but let's steer clear of, of this over here. And so we can reach our adult years and know a lot but not actually be following. And there are a lot of people, and for time's sake I'm not going to jump in it, but there are a lot of classes of people and types of people who literally study Scripture with zero intent to ever follow. So you can know a lot of word, and you can know a lot about Jesus. There were people who knew of Christ, followed him, and if you read scripture, you'll notice when he got to that particular story where he was talking about communion, he said, listen, if you will eat of my flesh and drink of my, my blood, and they were like, hang on, that's a little vampirical for me, we're out. Okay, And they walked away and said, we're, we're not going to follow anymore because that's weird, Okay, you keep healing people, touching people's lives, changing people, we're we're with you. You start to talk about eating flesh, drinking blood, I'm out. And so we can know a lot, but we want our children to be mature followers of Jesus Christ. We want them to, to see church as something that is valuable, that biblical community is valuable and I'll get to this in just a minute, but my generation had a terrible time once they left home actually staying in community. It was like, hey, you know what, I grew up in it, I got it, I had enough of it, and now I'm out. And the value of the local church plummeted with my, my generation. And I'll talk about more about that in just a minute. I got the chance, when I was a kid growing up, to be a part of some great experiences with God. I had some solid youth groups, I had some solid youth leaders, who poured into my life, who challenged me to read the word, who challenged me to pray, who challenged me to live right, who challenged me to come to church and be a part of people who, who were of like faith. I went to camps and conventions and conferences where the presence of God was there. I had godly friends around me. And so I was influenced by, by people who were, who were following Christ as well. And I'm blessed at this particular season in in my life. And I know a lot of you can say, well, listen, she's still very, very young. But my daughter came to me. She wanted to be baptized. I got to baptize her. And that experience for me is great. And that's why here we let any dad who wants to baptize their kid to do it. Because it's an, an amazing experience to baptize your child and see them go public with their faith sometimes when she's in here, I'll see my kid, and again, now now she's 12, but I'll see her slip her hand up in worship. And it moves me to think that, you know, this is not not me coaching or coercing, but it's, it's her responding on her own to the presence of God. And it moves me. I want my kid to know, and I'm using our language from our, our kid life and little life areas, but I wanted to know that making Jesus the boss of her life is only the start of it. That it's not the end. It's her putting her feet into the blocks, and she's about to run a great race that is set before her. I want my girl to grow up and be classy. I don't want her to be a southern belle. I don't want her to be real sweet and naive, but I love him, Daddy. I don't want none of that. That's when morons start showing up at your door. Hey. (laughs) Come on, dads. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, I don't want that Southern Bell junk, okay? I'll take classy, but don't give me that naive stuff. We got to help our kids raise the standard, and how do we do that? Well, let me take you to some word. Let's go to Old Testament today, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. I'm going to read from the NLT, so uh, I doubt you have that in your hand, but I'm going to show it to you. It says this, but watch out. Be careful to never forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And then he goes on and says, And be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. In other words, he's saying this. I want you to take the stories that God has done for you personally, and I want you to tell them. I want you to tell your kids and your grandkids of the goodness of God. And I want you to tell them that he loves them and he's for them and he's he's on their their team and he's got a plan for them. I need you to be a voice of reason for them spiritually. Spiritually. We must pass down what we believe. And listen, this may get really, don't, don't be hypersensitive when I say this. At some point, as parents, we have to stop saying that, that the school did this or that. The school system, if it, was, if it was better, if public school did this or public school did that or Man, if we could afford to put them into private school or if, I, if one of us could homeschool or whatever, we're blaming it on the educational systems around us. Or we blame it on politics. If the president this, and if, if that particular governing body would do that, and we blame it on, 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 on that, at some point... We have to own it and take responsibility for our family and the culture of our house. For how our home feels and operates and is structured and the tensions that stay there. We have to be responsible for it and own it. I can't even put that responsibility on our church. And I've told you this many times, but I think it it bears repeating. But when I first went went to seminary, the model was this: if we'll have a strong church, then then we can can make strong families. So all the weight was on the pastor and the pastor team and what the church was doing and could do or couldn't do and the the different hurdles and and restrictions and so on. And that's why church became no fun at all. Everybody was under so much weight spiritually. But you, you never find that. What what you find is that when you have strong families, you have an amazing church. When you have strong families, man, people are serving and giving and loving and teaching, and suddenly that, that thing of the pastor does it all goes away completely because we all get that we all play a role in this incredible thing, the church. So it's important that our families are healthy. And you show me a sick church, and I'll show you a bunch of sick families. Because it's it's a reflection of what we have going on at home. Listen, let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. I'm gonna read three verses here. He says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And verse 5, and you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your strength. Verse 6, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. In verse 7, he says, repeat them again and again to your children. He says, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. And he says this, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on, on your, your gates. When he says in verse 8, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead, the original readers of this, the original audience, did just that. Some of the Jewish teachers built a little box, and they rolled up Scripture, and they wore it across their forehead. Using a leather strap, and they would wear it throughout the day to make sure that scripture was written on their forehead. I don't recommend that now. It may deter you from winning your friends over the gospel of Jesus. However, what this is saying, to break it down, let me tell you what, what this means. Okay? First, he says this He's, Where does the word have to be? Verse six In your heart, and then where? In their heart, you are transferring what's in your heart, what's in your spirit, over to your children. It's not a lackadaisical thing. It's it's a core belief. I'm handing you something, and I'm giving it to you. But let me translate that some, okay? Because we have to be careful. If you're a parent... Here's a disclaimer. If you're a parent today and you're on the fence with your relationship with Christ, you cannot expect your children to be people of faith because they are following and modeling you. As a church, we will come alongside it, We will promote you. We will support you. We want to get better and better at it because we do believe in family. But the bottom line is your children will follow you. Then he says two things, and he gives us some great imagery for it. He says, I want you to tie it to your hands and put it on on your head. Now listen, what's in our head? Knowledge, wisdom. And what's in our hands? Action. He's saying this is what happens when you give that over to your children. You're handing them wisdom, and you're giving them something to do in life. You're giving them purpose when you pass on what God has given you. The second big thing is this. I want my kid to have fun in my house. All right? I know you do too. In our home, we have danced around our house from anything from John Mayer to jump around by House of Pain. We're very sarcastic to each other. Sometimes we scare each other. Sometimes we light each other's jeans on fire. It's how we we bond at our house. We take trips together. Bottom line is this. We, We can't buy fun. We have to create it. We can buy experiences, but the fun factory is from us. We've got to create it. We've got to generate it. The truth is, my kid does not care if I'm successful. She doesn't care. She doesn't care what I make, what I invest, what I drive, where we live. She just wants to know that I'm her dad above anything else. That's really the bottom line. And I think that we need to bring fun also into the house of of God. When I grew up, church was not fun. And I'm gonna go out on a a, a limb here. How many of you have ever been to church and it was not fun? Raise your hand, okay? The rest of you are lying, okay? And we're gonna have what's called an altar call in a minute. I've been to many, many churches, spent many, many years in non-fun environments and church was so heavy and weighty and serious. And I know I'm not trying to disrespect that because eternity is serious and life with Christ is serious, but there's a balance to it. And I've told you all this, but in in my children's church, we started this. Every single Sunday in children's church was a feet on the floor, back on the seat, head up. Y'all better look at me when I'm talking to you. And they would take an old offering plate and pass it around. You had to spit your gum in it. It was like, if any of you got candy right now, you get it out because that's fun. And we're not going to have fun in here. So spit your gum out. And by the end, you know, we had this big old wad of gum, and our teacher was like, mmm, this is a shame. I cannot believe you guys brought gum into the house of the Lord. God is angry with you. And do you know that in the Old Testament, he opened the ground and swallowed people up. I wouldn't be surprised if he swallowed up some of y'all on the way home today. I'd get in the car, just anxiety. You know, 10 years old. We got any Xanax around here? I, I need. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Just no fun. I remember going to my mom early, 10, 11 years old. I would ask her, Lord, I mean, mom, am, am I going to hell? Am I? Because I feel like I am. She would say, no, baby. I, Are you sure? You know, every time I came home and they weren't home, I thought I missed the rapture. I would. I'd start calling people that I knew were saved. You know, I'd be like, oh, God, please pick up, please. My grandma would answer. I'd just hang up. I'd be like, I'm good. If she's here, I'm good. Right? <laughs> no fun. We're not going to have fun here. We're going to serve Jesus, okay? And so when we talk about bringing fun into the house of God, it just it's good for us. It's good for us to know that the Lord loves us and he's given us joy, abundant joy. And if we aren't having fun following Jesus, we are telling our children that Christianity is too heavy and it's too serious and it's boring. And what they do when they get to adulthood or the ability to make a decision on their own, they choose another way. And so we have to pass on to them that following Jesus is an incredible thing and you can chew all the gum you want doing it, right? (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 11 says, "It is a time to celebrate before the Lord your God at the place He chooses, for His name to be honored. Celebrate with your whole family," He says. Proverbs 17:22 in the NIV, "A cheerful heart is a good medicine watch, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I don't know if you've ever been around people, just seem like just on the inside, just dry. Just come in, and you, you, can't, you can't make them happy, and you ask them how their week was, and you wish you didn't ask. Dries it up but a cheerful heart. It's like medicine. Listen, poke somebody beside you and say, don't be so serious. Okay, poke them right now. Tell them, don't be so serious. So how do I change this in my house? Okay, i got to move quickly. But listen, first of all, we got to slow down some. Fun is usually the first thing to go when you have a busy schedule. What in here can, can can go AOA? Fun. Let's take the fun out. Okay? We often say, I'd love to do that, but I'm just, I'm, I'm too busy. So we need to purposefully schedule some downtime. Every parent needs to have time with their spouse only. Plan a date night. Try and keep it consistent. You both deserve it. If you're a single parent in here, you deserve it too. Schedule some time for yourself. Get out. Have some fun. Have good balance. Okay? We got a, we got a balance between being a parent that is guiding and directing and a friend that's having fun with our, our children. I use this often, and I'm going to make a mess, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this again. When we, this little bowl with some change in it, we gotta be intentional with our family. And intentionality requires a, a plan. I mean, it, it requires some thought. Like, I'm going to do blank with my family. And when you think about like this bowl would change and you think about that being your family, many times we will stand over here and our intentionality it is more like you know hey you know i'm i'm going to i'm going to try my uh, my best to 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 do this or that and we 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 just take a shot at it and we just start you know randomly trying to do things with our family from a distance and we never really get it there okay and so what we have to do intentionality brings us close to where we take the investment in our family and we make sure that it lands. We make sure that they hear that they are loved. We make sure that they hear we are, we are on their team, that if anything in their life ever, that they ever need to talk about anything, we, we are there. Okay, and we start making investments in our family. Let, let me take a side note. Do you want to know why God hates divorce? I'm going to tell you why. Because of this right here. Because let me tell you what, what, what that feels like. And many of you have gone through one. But when you have put your stories and your experiences and the days of your youth into someone, and you've shared with them intimate details of your life. And then it's like that you, you can't have it back. You can't just suddenly take, hey, I want all those experiences back and all those things I told you back and all those things that you and I have experienced together. I want it all back. And I want it to be as if it never happened, but it, you can't do it. You can't undo the investment. And so you literally see somebody walk away with your stories and your words and your hopes and your dreams and all those things that you invested in them, and it feels like just pulling a scab off a wound. They just take it, and the other person walks away with your stuff, and they walk away with yours intentionality is huge to a healthy family. Okay, let me move on. I'm going to run out of time. Third, I want my home to be a safe place. Great homes get great at healing things. Our home should be the place where people can come and find rest and peace from the world. Okay, okay. Proverbs 14, 26 says, Those who fear the Lord are secure, and he will be a refuge for their children. Okay? I'm going to skip ahead. I'm, I'm going to close with this. George H. Bush, whose wife Barbara passed away recently, he was asked this question. Now, listen, whether you're a fan or not, this is strong, so listen. They ask him, What accomplishment are you the most proud of? And when you read things about his life, his experiential resume is incredible. And so he could have said, listen, when I was shot down in World War II and I survived, that was, that was a big accomplishment for me. He could have gone on and talked about that. But that's not what he said. When I was an ambassador to, to, to China, that's he, what he could have said. I did a lot of things. I built a lot of relationships. I kept things great between us and them. I could have said that. When I was the director of of the CIA, he could have said that. He could have said when I was vice president for eight years and president for four. He could have talked about those things. He could have said when I was winning the Gulf War with a lot of speed and efficiency, we just did it. We did it as well as we possibly could. He could have said that. But that was not his reply to this question of what accomplishment are you the most proud of. This is what he said. My greatest accomplishment is that my kids still love to come home. Isn't that amazing? That my kids, that something that Barbara and I have done in our home, we've left them with something that makes them feel like they can come here. When it's been a tough week, they come, and I, I turn the grill on, and we just sit outside, and we, we hang out, and we talk about it. I Still, I coach my kids, and I love them. And th- this should be something that we all take a hard look at, because in a world that's driven by accolade, We want our family to be a place that is solid and it's refuge and it's secure and it's consistent because everything else is going to change. We're all getting older. Hopefully in that we're getting wiser. Money changes, career changes, our homes change, our cars change. Everything around us changes. Man, our homes can be stable and, and secure greatest accomplishment is that my kids still love to come home listen Colossians chapter 1 I'll close with this verse 20 by him being Jesus God reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth peace is accessible to us you can hear me you can have a peaceful home you can But when it comes to that, I'm just giving you my opinion here. You don't have a shot at it unless you as a parent or a spouse is connected to Christ. If you're connected to that peace. So that's my challenge to us today. To be solid parents who are trying to anchor the peace of God to our homes, okay? Why don't you bow your heads with me this morning and we'll pray with you.